Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to start this morning by asking you to think back. To think back to a time, perhaps your favorite or your greatest birthday moment ever. If you have to close your eyes for a minute to kind of reflect on this, that's okay, as long as you're not going to fall asleep. But here's what I want you to do. Think about your favorite birthday. Your favorite birthday moment. What were the things that contributed to this being your favorite moment? What contributed to this being the greatest one or the one that sticks out even right now? What are the things or the main thing that make that birthday your best, greatest most happiest, joy-filled birthday. Wake up. All right, a couple of you, all right. As we look specifically at the context of this Advent series, we're looking directly at this word, Noel, and what it means to experience each meaning within the context of the Advent series. This season of Advent is one where we are living in anticipation of, of, of excitement of things to come. And as I look at birthdays, particularly the exciting birthdays in life that I have either had myself or the birthday parties that I have enjoyed for, uh, with someone else, I, I can't help but realize in some ways that the greatest birthday moments are some of the ones that are the, the most distant. Does that make sense? Okay, let me explain it like this. The greatest birthday moments of mine that I can remember where I was a part of them or where they were for me were ones where I was a small child, right? I don't know about you, but growing up, the best birthday moment was when you got to go to a little place called Chuck E. Cheese, (laughs) and you got to hang out with those animatronic, um, really kind of scary animals that would play and sing and talk to you. And that was an amazing time. I think back uh, to one of my nieces when she was very, very young, and I remember her sitting there, vividly remember this because it's the first time I've ever seen it. She was sitting there in her high chair, and they did this thing called the, the cake smash. Anybody seen this before? Where you, you take a, a small baby, just a, a defenseless baby, and you put a piece of cake in front of them and enjoy, they enjoy the cake. I think about the, the roots and the understanding of the happiness that we have now and the reality that many of the, the, the happy moments we have come as a result of some of the greatest joys in life. The greatest joy that we can experience is to embrace the one that we celebrate, the birth to come later this month. Noel means several things, and this morning we embrace the last two weeks and this week as well. If you're following along, this first line is simple. Noel means good news, Christmas, which we talked about last week in love, and it means birthday. What greater thought could we have to think about the joy that comes to this planet, the joy that can come to each heart with the birth 
of God, the Savior, in human form, in our midst, in our presence, for our purposes. The joy of a birthday is often unmatched. But what is joy? Joy is different in light of, uh, of this concept of recognizing happiness and recognizing even a birthday in and of itself. Having joy includes feelings of good cheer. It includes vibrant happiness. But joy in and of itself is fuller than just the things that we have. There's a spiritual meaning behind it, an expressing of what God has done, an involvement of him in our lives. It's deeply rooted and inspires happiness, but it's not happiness alone. In fact, joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is merely the consequence of circumstances. That happiness comes from getting that piece of cake, if you're a cake person, or pie, if you're a pie person, or whatever people that don't eat sugar eat on a birthday. You can correct me later, I know. I, I, I'll check my email after service. In essence, happiness is the result of the things that are present, that are going on in our life, but joy is rooted in a relationship with our Savior. And if we embrace this concept of the birthday and the joy that comes from it, we only will receive and understand a God who loves us, a God who is embracing us, a God who is present in our lives. Not a distant God who says, hey, I see you in your darkness, I see you in your brokenness, and I hope someday you can manage to work your way or find your way out of this. Instead, he comes in and says, I am the way. Thank God, right? And I have done the work on the cross for you by entering into your darkness so that you might receive and experience real and lasting joy, both joy on this earth and joy for all eternity. Joy comes from within. It's not simply some form of behavior modification. But at the same time, we recognize that joy is something that we have a choice to receive and to experience. It doesn't come outside of our control. It's not something that God just puts on us and says, okay, you're going to have joy now. Although that would be nice. Instead, it's something that we embrace by stepping into in response to the greatest gift, the greatest birthday gift ever. We're going to look at the pretext of, of Christ's birth. In fact, today we're going to look more deeply at Luke chapter 1. And you heard Candace read a little bit of that during our Advent moment today. And as we walk through this, I'm going to kind of skip down through and give some summary of some of the passage as we do this. But I want us to, to recognize the joy that takes place within the lives of two women. These two women are both uh, getting ready to, to have a, a life change moment as a birthday is on the horizon for both of them. They're both carrying a child. These two women are Elizabeth and, and Mary, and they are both mothers of two individuals that we've read about throughout Scripture, one being John the Baptist, the other one being Jesus Christ. And these two men would both be uh, honorable to the Father and do what's asked of them. They would step forward in the way that's, that they're called to do so. One, John the Baptist being the forerunner of Jesus, being one that would point others towards him. And Jesus himself being God incarnate, 100% uh, God, with a God nature, 100% man with a human nature. And within that concept, he would become the one true way for us to experience real joy. Mary and, and Elizabeth were related it's presumed they were cousins of sorts, and in this relation, they knew each other, they had relationship. John the Baptist and, and Jesus would know each other. And here we see in this story, 
what true joy can look like even in the midst of what is not necessarily an ideal situation for either one. I want to begin in in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I'll read a little bit, and then we're going to kind of walk through, as I said. Verse 5 through 7 reads like this. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, excuse me, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of, of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, And both of them were righteous in the sight of God. And so you have this couple who is righteous. They are honoring God. They're observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. And so these individuals had been faithful. They were following God. But they found themselves in a place where they were unable to have children. They were old. And at this point in their their life, they probably were lacking any real hope that a birth would take place or even that a conception would take place. And throughout the the, the Christmas story, so to speak, especially in the early parts of it, we recognize that joy is not separate from heartache. It's not separate from the difficulty of the journey. It's not separate from the things that 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 are hard for us to swallow. As we see the fact that Jesus' parents are turned away from being able to have a room at the end, we see the fact that there there is a a madman out there attempting to try to, to eliminate anyone else that would come. There's all these factors that play into trying to eliminate or put up a barrier, some baggage being carried to try to keep us or keep them, sorry, I kind of slipped there, from experiencing joy. And that same thing is true for us today, particularly in the Christmas season when it seems like things pick up and there's a lot going on to kind of round out the end of the year. Maybe you've got stuff going on financially, you've got stuff going on with your plans for the end of the year, maybe before vacation, semesters are coming to an end, all this stuff going on, family coming into town, decorating, shopping, and it's almost like there's this suppression with all the other stuff going on to keep us from experiencing the real joy. Much of the the joy that's born in this specific passage and in the story of Jesus is born out of the disappointment and grief that people have experienced prior to his birth. So as we look specifically at Elizabeth and Mary's story, we do so recognizing first Elizabeth, the first one that's, that's brought out here, the fact that she's living in a place where she probably in a lot of ways is, is pretty, uh, pretty distraught because of the fact that she's the reason that, that her and her husband can't conceive a child. And so even here we recognize under Roman rule and at this time the, the corruption that's taking place, but, but still in the midst of that, she doesn't get mad at God, turn her back on God and say, God, I can't believe you won't give me a child she's still devout her and her husband are still righteous and they still follow God in the midst of all of it yet she's still not blessed with a child jumping down to verse 23 it reads like this when when his time of service was completed and is talking about her husband Zechariah he returned home after this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained pregnant in seclusion. And that seems odd to some extent because typically when when something happens in our life exciting, we want to share it with everybody. We want everyone to know, but she instead finds herself hiding in seclusion. And you kind of look at this and and probably in some ways there's some 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 backstory to that if you were to read between the lines. I'm sure there was much uh, the uh, suspicion that was cast upon her, some unfounded blame on her from people that were around, maybe close friends, family, neighbors. 
Maybe even this pregnancy sparked memory of, of past miscarriages or times when they were unable to conceive or unable to have children. Perhaps for Elizabeth, it was a time to hide because she didn't want hope to root in any way, recognizing that personal joy could come if that joy was going to vanish once again. And so she found herself hiding in seclusion rather than experiencing the stigma once again of this woman who was unable to conceive. Maybe she stayed in seclusion for five months because the hope that she thought might come would then cause her to turn her back on the one who had given her this child. Whatever the story, whatever the reason, she's finding herself in seclusion, finding herself by herself with no one else that would really understand or no one else that would really get what was going on here. And then in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And was, when she was six months pregnant, all of a sudden things change and God intervenes by bringing forth a message, a new day, something that would be great for her to understand and to know, some affirmation in her life. Because after all, God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna make you walk through things that you can't bear on your own. Instead, he says, I'm gonna walk through the things in your life with you, should you let me. And Mary received this news, and at this point received this news gracefully and willfully. At some point, I'm sure Mary must have known the challenges and the disgrace that were going to come, because after all, she was a young woman that was not married, and all of a sudden, she was going to have to tell people, get this, God is the one who put this baby inside of me. And you and I both know how that would sound if someone were to come up to us and tell us that. At the same time, you and I both know how that person would be treated, specifically within the context of the people around them. If we're going to be honest about it, I'm sure that Mary was going to be ostracized. I'm sure that Mary was going to be looked at in a negative way. I mean, after all, how could people believe that the baby in your womb was God's son? Even Joseph couldn't believe at first until Matthew's gospel narrates the fact that he was visited as well and, and he was going to divorce her quietly, so to speak, in their culture and say, okay, I'm just going to move on from this. But Mary's journey obviously was not going to be an easy one. And so we understand more this concept of joy coming from the root of desperation and despair, darkness and discouragement. Maybe that's why Luke tells us Mary hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, in verse 39. After all, Mary must have heard of this relative, Elizabeth, who was struggling with the same thing. She couldn't conceive, and all of a sudden, she, she's, she's pregnant, and so maybe she would get it. And so all of a sudden, joy erupts in a very real way as these two women, in the backdrop of discouragement and disgrace and darkness and grief and shame, all of a sudden, this, this bubbling up, this shooting out of joy comes in the midst of these two women who have a difficult path ahead. In verse 39, it reads like this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And I can see her blowing through the door. Where's Elizabeth? I've got news to tell her. She's not alone. I'm, I'm walking through the same thing. Perhaps we can comfort each other. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, I love this concept of understanding life uh, at conception, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Not for happiness, not for excitement, not for any other reason, but for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And what a relief I'm sure Mary would have felt as she came in and she was understood. She was accepted. She'd been worried. She didn't have to worry anymore. She'd been worried about the things that people were going to think about being misunderstood. And finally, all she had to do was greet. Just say hello to Elizabeth. And there was this mutual understanding as the baby leapt within in the presence of Jesus. Mary's response is a a wonderful one in song, and I'm not going to sing this. I don't even know how it would go, but I will share the, the words here as we shared them earlier. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices, the verb form of joy, rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God has not forgotten what I'm going through. God has not left me in despair, but he's been mindful. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You know, this this song, this excitement reflects upon the goodness, the nature, the character of a God who loves, who embraces, who is the author and the giver of joy. When you've experienced joy, perhaps you're not a singer. I'm not a a singer. I can sing. I can carry a tune, but I'm not a singer. But when you experience joy, it is something that flows out of you, out of your actions, out of of how you steward your resources, out of how you talk to others, how how you love others, how you embrace the God who has granted you that joy. And here, Mary reflects every part of what it means to experience joy. There's a lot to take away from this, this story, this embrace, and certainly as we kind of walk through this, you're maybe recognizing there's a lot of blanks left on your paper, and so we're going to jump into the first one now. And the first one is this, the first takeaway, authentic happiness is the result of engaging joy. Authentic happiness, the outcome of happiness, the, the happiness that we have from the circumstances we live in is actually the result of engaging in joy. That embrace that we have comes from something much deeper, the greatest circumstance of all, which is the the final destination of our soul and the embrace we have in relationship with Christ. It supersedes all other circumstances in life. It supersedes all other happenings and activity in life because we can firmly embrace and grasp this relationship that we have through the greatest birth ever 
and the greatest relationship ever, which is that that we can have with Christ. Obviously, this is a no-brainer. It depends on past history and your spiritual life and all of those types of things. But when we look directly at the things going on in our life, sometimes we find ourselves in the storm. Sometimes we find ourselves disappointed or longing for something new, which I'm sure these two women were both there. They were in a place of disappointment or a place of longing for something new. Maybe even Mary found herself at a place thinking, you know what, God, I don't think I'm the one that you really want to do this. Have you ever felt insufficient? Have you ever felt like you don't have the gifts or the talents to do what's God calling, what God's calling you to do? I can tell you from my own experience and from the, the recognition of the promises that God gives that no matter what he calls you to, he's not going to leave you to do it on your own. Instead, he's going to embrace that with you. Because it's more than just following God and doing the things he calls us to do. It's also about the journey together, that growing relationship he wants to have with you. That's ultimately where joy comes from, not from pleasing him by doing tasks, but by embracing a deeper relationship with our God creator. I'm sure that you've experienced a set of, of disappointments in your life, and perhaps those bring temporal frustrations. You know, we're kind of in the middle of, of hunting season right now, and I, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's a secret, so don't tell anybody else. It took me five years. Now, I didn't start even hunting deer until I was an adult, and I won't tell you how old I was then, but it took me five years to actually have success in harvesting a deer. And if you're not a deer hunter, you're like, good, I'm glad it took you that long. I wish you'd have quit before that. If you are, you recognize the frustration that goes into it, right? I can, I can count 12 times when I had a perfect opportunity, and for whatever reason, that opportunity didn't rain perfect in the end. And then after I killed that first deer, harvested that first deer, it took me three more years to do it again. And you know what? I can tell you right now, and perhaps my wife would be better to tell you, I would come home often not filled with joy. <laughs> I would come home often thinking, man, I sat out there, my toes got freezing, I missed again, I lost a bolt, whatever, I, whatever reason, whatever thing it was, and I would come home so aggravated, so frustrated, so disappointed. And most of the time my wife would say, well, there's always tomorrow until that last day of the season, right? There's always next year would be the next thing. And it's interesting to note that the day that I finally shot that first deer, I remember sitting there thinking, you know what, this isn't really about hunting. I really get to enjoy the time I sit out here. And it was almost like God was like, okay, cue the deer, right? And it just kind of wandered out in front of me and stood there broadside and was like, all right, if you miss now, you should never do this again. <laughs> but man, I can tell you, even in the midst of discouragement, in the real discouragement in life, far beyond what I just talked about, but the loss of a loved one, the discouragement, the loss of a, of a job, or, or the insufficiency of the relationships, or all the things that we actually deal with in life, the real things, we can hold true to the fact that that joy that God gives us can bring authentic happiness in our lives. We probably have all heard that joy described in the contrast of happiness, which that is part of it. Happiness is a fleeting and temporary thing, and joy is deeper and more fulfilling. And often in our Christian culture, we split these two in half, and we look at happiness as a secular thing, and we look at joy as something that's spiritual and something greater than that. But as we look at it in context, we recognize more greatly the understanding that the most important part, our source of joy and our source of happiness, both come from the same place, the same relationship, the result of the same gift. 
that birth we experience. There is a great joy in the Christmas season, and it's good to embrace and to celebrate that joy. It's okay for those of you who maybe in this place are not really happy today. Those that are joining online, you're not in a happy situation. It's okay to embrace the joy that God's given us. At the same time, for some of us, Christmas is a painful time because it's a reminder of something we've lost. It's a reminder of, of a memory that we don't really want to listen to or we don't want to hear, don't want to be reminded of. We want to suppress it. And so at the same time, we don't even want to be happy. We don't want to experience joy. It's okay to embrace that feeling and it's okay to allow God to bring joy out of the despair of the discouragement in our life. Get this, God sees you no matter where you are, no matter where you're, where you're set on the emotional spectrum of joy and happiness, God sees you, and should you let him, he embraces you. Joy is the root of happiness, and it's a result of engaging in him. The second thing is this, joy is the strength of the Christ follower. Joy brings strength to the Christ follower. Nehemiah was a, a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was called to do something very interesting, very profound. The, the, the chosen people, God's chosen people, his, his nation of Israel was living in exile at the time when Nehemiah was called. And they were, they were reflecting upon old days, old times, the good old days when they were home. And specifically in this time, they were, they were living in Babylon, far away from their land, thinking about the fact that their whole, that Jerusalem, their whole city, everything that they were, their whole civilization had been destroyed. And Nehemiah, listening to God, heard his voice and heard him say, I want you to go and I want you to rebuild the walls. I want you to rebuild this structure. Not just rebuild the walls, but also to rebuild with a spiritual awakening for the people that God has something new and something greater for them. And in chapter 8 of Nehemiah's book, he, he brings forth all the people. He brings them together and he begins to read and bring out the law of Moses. And he says, here, I want you to hear these words that God has given us. And as he reads these words, the people, they begin to weep. As they hear the words of God, they weep. And perhaps part of that was, a, was, was, was because of the fact that they, they felt that they had sinned against God and they were repentant of it. But perhaps part of it too was this weeping of joy of the fact that God had not left them nor forsaken them, but had called them to something new, even in the midst of the broken rubble that lay before them. And so Nehemiah, as he read and he brought forth the truth before them and the joy was, was, was just kind of exuding and starting to build within them, the sadness began to go away and the guilt was drifting from the, from the, from the, the, the way that they had lived before. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, it reads just like this. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day, is holy to our God. And this is key. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I don't know that anybody here is, is struggling with or is being called to go and physically rebuild walls anywhere, but I do know this, that God is probably calling each of us in some way to, to rebuild the foundation, to rebuild something, maybe in relationship to another, or maybe to bring spiritual awakening to an environment that is so cold, so dark, maybe even in our own lives to allow God to fill us in a way where we've kind of said, you know what, I don't have time for that. Or I don't really want to hear that. Or I don't want to be embraced that way. And God's saying, I want so much more for you. I want to bring you a joy you've never experienced before. Just step forward and listen to my call 
to celebrate, to enjoy. Nehemiah says that, that, that each one in that case, in that situation, are to celebrate and to enjoy the things God's given because of the fact that God is their strength. And our true source of happiness, joy, and fulfillment is from Christ. Christmas is a season of joy because of the fact that the Messiah brought joy into the world through this birth. And in Peter chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it reads like this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy sounds like pretty deep stuff. Sounds like something that you think, well, maybe that's for, for, the, for the, the really elite, the people who have been at this for a long time, the people who, who know the Bible front to back. That's not necessarily for me. That's the kind of source that some deep person can have. But at the same time, that this kind of joy finds the source, the deeper things, the pain, the sorrow, the problems, and buries those and says, I've got something new for you that will grow out of the tomb. It's a deeper well that God calls us to draw upon and gives us the opportunity to draw upon, particularly when we face the difficulties in life. And I'm not suggesting a don't worry, be happy mentality where we kind of forget all the bad things and just let God take care of all that. What I'm saying is that we, we don't put on a plastic face and whatever. What I'm saying is we step forward and we recognize the fact that sometimes joy comes in a huge eruption like it did for Mary and Elizabeth. All of a sudden they were together and this joy came as they experienced God together. But sometimes joy comes in just a small little bubbling, like a small spring that we see just a little trickle, just a little bit. But as we continue to foster that, as we continue to embrace that, more and more joy comes. Wherever you find yourself today, let it be an encouragement. Let 1 Peter, let, let, let Luke's gospel, let Nehemiah be an encouragement that joy can be felt should we open ourselves up to God. And then finally, as we embrace this third one, we recognize the fact that the Bible talks a lot about this word rejoice. In fact, Mary even talks about rejoicing. And rejoice is the verb form of the word joy. And if you look closely, you'll see this re on the front of the word. And if you remember in grammar class, you know, whenever there was a re, it was kind of this return. Remember was a, a prefix that, that once again means means to, to go back, to return to, or again. And rejoice is the returning to joy. Maybe this season is a reminder of that. Maybe you embraced joy with God before and you've stepped away from it. Maybe even today, this morning, you got up and yesterday you were joyful and today you just weren't. But God's call and his desire and his love for his people his love for his creation is to experience joy. There's a reason why we consider it pure joy. There's a reason why each day, there's a reason why we continue to take up our cross every day. The purpose of the understanding is that the authors knew as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit is that we were going to fight this battle continually. Because the evil one is relentless. And so the desire for God is that we continue to rejoice. Particularly in the moments of difficulty. And the interesting thing about a verb is that there has to be action. We have to step forward in it. And so the recognition there is that we get back to basics. We, we get back to what this joy looks like. We get back to that birth once again. That greatest gift that God has given us. And we return to the joy that God granted us when we, when we experienced rebirth in our lives. Spiritual rebirth in our lives. 
Last night we celebrated the, this, this awesome time of Simply Christmas and we came together, many volunteers here from the church and others came together for this opportunity to be able to, to, to embrace all these different things. And, and at 7.30 there was this tree lighting and the kids were singing and there was this moment when I was standing there and I was just thinking about the fact that God was up above just, just basking in the love that he was engaged in in that moment. The, 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 the sure and simple joy that was being embraced as the children were just singing praise, as the parents were standing around, all of them filming, getting it on film, and, 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 and just enjoying the moment together, God was just up on his throne thinking, this is simply Christmas. This is joy. How do we get back to that? How do we embrace that? How do we engage that? Well, I can tell you, first of all, the first thing is to recognize that it is a choice. Authentic joy is a choice. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 2 through 4 reads this: Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James doesn't say, well, joy is just going to come and you have no say, no will on it. No, what he's saying here is to, is to step into it, to consider it pure joy, to, to step forward in this embracing of joy. At the beginning of the sermon, I asked you to think about the greatest birthday in your life. Maybe one you went to or one that you experienced yourself that was your birthday. Let's flip the script a little bit. Think about this. What was the worst birthday you ever experienced? What was the birthday that you just assume forget? What was the birthday where you think, man, I can't believe that that was a birthday. That didn't seem very joyful to me. I think about, when I think about bad birthdays, I think about my, wife, my wife's birthday because in most cases, in most cases, it seemed like we were either traveling or we were doing something else, and it was kind of a sidebar. Oh, yeah, today is Cherie's birthday. Let's, let's uh, make sure that we tell the person, the waitress at the restaurant to give her a free uh, cupcake, right? When we think about birthdays in general, sure, there are bad and sure, there are good, but the recognition is it's not about the festivities or the other things. It's about choosing joy in the midst. And sometimes we don't want to hear this. We don't want to look at the big picture. And Psalm chapter 13 gives a great example. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Verse 1. And then by the end, it says, it ends with the reminder and declaration. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. This recognition that here's where I'm at. Here's the plight I have. God, I'm so discouraged, but... In the end, I recognize your joy and the transformation that takes place from it. Friends, let's, let's experience, church, let's experience Christmas this year by embracing joy. Can we do that? No matter what we're going through, no matter if things go the way that we want them to, no matter if everything falls into place for that perfect dinner or that perfect family picture, or if we don't get that gift or we don't get to go to that place or whatever it might be, let's remember that the source of our joy is the greatest birthday ever. The source of our joy is the thing that we're going to celebrate on the 25th and beyond when we recognize the coming of the king, the coming of the one true source of joy in our midst. When Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Let's seek happiness and not seasonal trappings of the things around us, but let's step forward in this together. Let's heed the good news that the angels bring to this great joy for all people to experience. Listen to me. 
a savior has been born. Have you heard this before? It's pretty good stuff. A savior has been born, our Messiah, the Lord. In a humble beginning, he came to this earth and he was laid in a manger. And this isn't just like a cute little manger. This is, this is a place where there would just be food for the animals. He was laid in a manger. And he will carry us through the complete his work in each of us, no matter our circumstance, no matter where we find ourselves or where we lead ourselves. The one who came will bring us and grant us real joy. And so finally, this last point, what is joy and how do we live differently in light of it? Rejoice. Remember this action word? Rejoice through connection with the Savior. His birth makes this a reality. The fact that God came here to this place makes it a reality for us to be able to experience his goodness. Several years ago, I went to a leadership conference, and this specific leadership conference was an interesting one. It was actually a great blessing for me to be able to go. It was in the Bahamas. And I got this invitation to go, and I thought, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to learn a lot, and I'm going to get to spend some time at the beach. And so I remember actually packing my bag, getting everything packed up in my bag and putting it all in the suitcase. And I was in college at the time, and as I was putting everything in there, I was thinking, you know what? I, got, I can put as much stuff in here. I've got this whole bag. I can fill it with whatever I want. And so I just, you know, I, I put all, every pair of underwear I owned in there, and I uh, swimsuits, everything I could think of, I put it all in this bag. And I get to the airport and I check the bag and they said, hey, it's overweight. And I said, oh, okay, well, what, what does that mean? You can pay a little bit more, you can take some stuff out of it. And I thought, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll just pay a little bit more. And it was only a, a small fee at that time. It wasn't like they do now. And I paid the small fee and they took my bag. And little did I know at that point the adventure my bag was going to take versus the adventure I was going to take. <laughs> Perhaps you've been there before, right? And, and there was no direct flight to the Bahamas where I was at. There was a couple of connecting flights. And as I got through this whole transition, I found myself standing in the Bahamas with all the other guys that were coming with us on this retreat. And I'm watching as the carousel goes around and bags are getting taken off, one and two and three. And then finally, it was just me standing there and no bag. And can I tell you just real quick, this is an interesting thing about this. That might have been the greatest thing that happened to me on that trip. It might have been the best thing that happened to me on that trip. Now, there, was, there were speakers there that I listened to that were really good. I, I was able to uh, have some great fellowship with other pastors and other pastors in training. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. I got to go to the beach. It was, it was a great time. And let me just tell you, the fact that I didn't have to lug that bag around, that was awesome. In the airport, in the tiny little car we had to get in, into the hotel, and then moving it around. We had to move a couple of times while we were there. All the stuff we had to do, I never had to worry about it. And I can tell you, I did buy a few things while I was there, okay? I didn't wear the same underwear the whole time. <laughs> but man, just putting that bag in the check area and then not looking at it again until I came back to my dorm and it was sitting there in the middle of the room with all these tags all over it. Its passport looked better than mine. And I remember thinking to myself, man, you know what? I'm glad I didn't have you. I was on this adventure, this great adventure, and I didn't need to carry around the baggage. Let me just say, as we go through this adventure of Advent this year, I have to believe that there is an understanding right now that there's probably some baggage we're carrying around. Some baggage that's causing us to suppress or to miss out or to put up a barrier between the joy that God wants us to experience and where we currently sit. 
And if you're sitting right now in this place and you've got some, uh, you know, some frustration towards God, you're saying, God, I'm so mad at you for this. I'm so angry that you did this to me. And you're carrying around this bag of, of frustration and this, this bag of anger and, and whatever it might be. Let me just tell you right now in this embracing of joy that when you put that down, you can experience him afresh and anew. Perhaps you're here and you, you're, you're in the middle of a, of a fight with a friend or in the fight with a, with a coworker or even a family member. And, and as you embrace this time, this season, God's saying, hey, I want you to experience my joy. This birth is for you. But you can't hear it because you got all these bags that you're carrying around that have your attention. Maybe it's a, a guilt and shame of something that's happened in the past. Maybe it's a, a frustration towards somebody at work or, 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 or something that has to do with your, your schoolwork as you complete the semester. Whatever it might be, whatever the Spirit has brought to your heart and mind right now, wherever you sit in this place, I'm going to close in just a moment in prayer. And as I do, I want us to reflect upon this thought that Satan doesn't have to really just kind of direct us and keep us, you know, from, from, from following God. All he has to do is distract us. And oftentimes he distracts us with one little thing, and maybe it's a carry-on, or maybe it's a huge suitcase. Maybe it's just a, a little bag with, a, you know, with our bathroom stuff in it. Whatever it might be, he just needs to distract us just a little bit to keep us from experiencing and celebrating this birth and this joy. And so as I pray, I encourage you and I challenge you, church, to take a moment to embrace this opportunity to just throw down the baggage, to check it and say, see you later. And where this sermon or this illustration breaks down, I recognize when I got back, that baggage was sitting there for me and I ended up using all that stuff again. Don't do that. But do recognize at the same time that suitcase will be sitting there later on and Satan's going to bring it back in your attention once again. And again, you have the opportunity and the blessing to choose joy again. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.